0: Well, happy Thanksgiving again to all of you. You know, life is uh, filled with thousands of moments that we get to experience. Uh, Some of them you'll never forget, like the day you got married, or maybe the birth of a child, or maybe when you finally got your driver's license. There's other moments in life that you could describe with just the word blessed, like going on vacation with the family, or maybe, and this may not be all of you, but maybe gathering together with a family on Thanksgiving. You know, there's other moments in life that probably the best way to describe it would be that they're difficult. You got cut from the team, lost a job, experienced the death of a loved one, I think most of the moments we experience in life, probably the best word for those would be normal. (laughs) Like you get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee, then you take the kids to school, you go to work, you come home, throw in some laundry, do the dinner, clean the kitchen, put the kids to bed, you go to bed, then you get up the next morning and do it all over again. When I think about all the moments that I've experienced in life, and as you think about it as well, one of the things that I would say becomes really clear is that there is hardly a moment in life where every single detail is absolutely perfect. In fact, maybe I would say it this way, that there will always be something to take away your joy, if you let it. Always, 100% of the time. It doesn't matter who you are or where you live or what you have or what you don't have. And there's a couple of reasons for this, why there isn't a perfect time in our life where every detail is absolutely perfect. I think one of the reasons is this, that we live in a sin-filled world that will never be perfect. The world we live in is not the world that God intended us for, to be in. But when sin came into the world, it affected everything. And so Jesus himself told his followers, he said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And so there is trouble and difficulty in life. And then another reason is that we are sin-filled people who often skew toward the negative. Have you, have you noticed this before? Actually, scientists have also identified this as being a trait of human beings where we tend to focus on things that aren't going well. There can be a hundred good things in your day or your week or your month, but there's something in us, I think it's the sinful nature, there's something in us that tends to focus on the things or thing that isn't good. Like I said, there will always be something to take away your joy. On this Thanksgiving Eve, I don't know how you would describe your last year, good or bad, filled with lots of blessings or filled with lots of hardships. I'm guessing for almost all of you, it's been a little bit of both. But while there's always something we could complain about, there's always something that could take away our joy, what I want you to know tonight is when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's always a reason to be thankful. And I'd like to dig into that just a little bit with you tonight. And how we're going to do that is we're going to read a psalm a psalm is a song that was written about 1000 AD uh, by, uh, inspired by God through a man named David. Here's what he wrote. It's just five verses. David writes, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Have you ever gone somewhere and discovered you wore the wrong thing? Many years ago, I was able to go to Israel with a group of people from this church. And when you visit spots around Jerusalem that are special to the Jewish faith and also uh, to the Christian faith, uh, at times there are certain rules that go around what you can wear or what you should not wear. So for instance, we were going to visit the Mount of Olives where Jesus prayed the night before he died. And in order to go to the Mount of Olives, you had to have your shoulders covered and also your knees. So what that meant is I had to wear long pants and a shirt, and I spent most of the tour without a shirt on, of course. No, that's not at all (laughs) true. But what was true is that day we went to the Mount of Olives, I forgot that we had our knees covered and I wore shorts because it was going to be a hot day. So at first I thought I wasn't going to be able to go in. And then, well, entrepreneurs in Israel recognize that a lot of American tourists forget things. And so there's these little booths that sell really cheap skirts. So there are some pictures somewhere. Someone has them. I don't have one. I probably would have showed it to you of Ben at the Mount of Olives wearing a skirt. (laughs) What should you wear? when you enter the presence of God? I guess it probably depends what church you go to, right? Is it pants and a skirt, suit and a tie, boots, sandals, loafers, tennis shoes? Did you catch what David said we should be wearing when we enter the courts of God? Let me show you. He said, enter his gates With thanksgiving. God really doesn't care what your hair looks like when you come to church or what clothes exactly you're wearing. But he does care whether we come with thankfulness. To enter his presence, David is saying, is bring thankfulness along with you. God desires us to have a thankful heart. It's good to be thankful, there's power in gratitude, but on this Thanksgiving, as we think about our thankfulness, it's not just, you know, something that we aspire to, it's something God wants us to have. And it got me thinking as I was studying through these verses, is how do do we normally approach God? Honestly, most of the time, I approach God in prayer. If I'm not thoughtful about it, I just come with the things I want and the things that maybe I I want changed and the things that maybe I'm not happy with. All these things on my heart that I want God to do for me as if he's my, my butler of some sort. And he invites us to bring those to him. But David rightfully points out that when it comes to God, when it comes to walking with him, this attitude of gratitude, this thankfulness, we should begin with thankfulness. What would that look like for you? When you begin a prayer, and every time you begin a prayer, you begin with thankfulness. Or every day you get up, you begin Instead of thinking about what you have to do, instead of looking at your phone and being reminded of all the things that are going on in this world or catching up on your email, what if we started the way David directs and enter the day and enter prayer and enter church by remembering the goodness of God and entering with thankfulness? As we consider this encouragement to be thankful. You know, how do we find it sometimes? Especially depending on what you might be going through right now or this year. Are we just supposed to kind of fake it? Are we just supposed to pretend? No, honestly, it has a lot to do with perspective and where we're looking. I want to go back to the psalm that David wrote. This is, as I mentioned, a song, and David took time to design this psalm so that it makes sense from an outline perspective. And you'll notice that verses 1, 2, and 3, or 1, 2, and 4, have a lot of encouragement of things that we are supposed to do. Shout for joy, worship the Lord with gladness, come with joyful songs, enter his gates and his courts with thanksgiving and give thanks. And then in between those two sections of what we're supposed to do, David rightfully shows us why. He shows us who God is and what he has done. And all these reasons why we can be thankful, even if sometimes we don't feel that way. He said that we are his. We're, we're a part of his family. I think the holiday season can be a particularly difficult time for some people. If maybe they don't have a close family or don't have family at all. I want you to know, or maybe better said, God does, that you are never alone. That even in your most loneliest night, God is right there. And even in your darkest valley, and maybe you even caused that valley because of our sin or something we did, he still calls you his child and is proud through Jesus Christ and his forgiveness to call you his son and his daughter and wants to live with you forever. You are his, David says. He says that we are the sheep of his pasture. We take a look at this imagery, this relationship of sheep to shepherd quite a bit at North Cross because it shows up quite a bit In the Bible. And one of the things, if you've been with us, you know and remember is that by being called sheep, it's not something that is necessarily a compliment. Sheep need a pasture or need a shepherd because if they don't have a shepherd, they die. Sheep need a shepherd because a shepherd knows better than the sheep what they need. We might think we know what we need right now. And I encourage you to bring that to God. But the fact that you are a sheep and he is the shepherd, you know what that means? It means in whatever prayer that you've been praying over and over and over, and maybe not getting what you thought you needed in that moment, you can trust because the shepherd sees what I don't. The shepherd knows what I need better than I do. And sometimes, sometimes we forget that with a larger perspective, things that don't make sense to us can absolutely be blessings, even when we maybe don't always see it. I think of when I was a kid, like many other kids, I really wanted to drive. I thought it would be so cool. As a five, six, seven-year-old, you think my parents let me drive? No. Do you think I was mad? Yeah. Do you think I asked again? Yes. Do you think my parents gave in? No. Why? Because they knew what was best. And even as hard as it may be, in your moment of difficulty today, this year, or last year, you can trust that the shepherd knows his sheep and he knows what's best and he's guiding you and your family to that day where by Jesus' power you can be with him in heaven. One more. He says, His faithfulness continues through all generations. I thought about God being faithful for generations. I thought about the short attention span of Americans. It's not just kids. It's all of us now. I mean, you can go online to find, let's say, you go online to find a recipe for Thanksgiving. And something pops up or something on your social media feed. And 30 minutes later, you're finding yourself watching cat videos and eating ice cream. And you went on to the internet to find a recipe for Thanksgiving. I mean, our attention span is like this. God's is not. Adam and Eve sinned. And God in his faithfulness guided history for approximately 4,000 years with one purpose, that a savior would be born in Bethlehem. Then Jesus came to this earth and there's a lot of things that could have distracted him. But he stayed focused on one purpose, to be our savior and perfect substitute and did not keep his eye off that purpose until he was able to rightfully cry, it is finished. And now... I know it seems like the world is more and more in chaos and there's more problems. There's been problems for a long time. God is faithful right now. And he is guiding us and his people until that day that Jesus returns to take us home to be with him forever. So I, I don't know what your year was like. I don't know what things you're particularly thankful for. I don't know how difficult things were. But here's what I do know on this Thanksgiving, that if you know Jesus, you have reason to be thankful. See, David, in his psalm, he doesn't focus on, you know, Vacations or cars or money or bank accounts. He doesn't focus on any of those things as he gives us encouragement to come with thanksgiving, to shout for joy, to sing praises. He just talks about who God is and what he's done for us. So let's summarize. There will always be something that could take away your joy. There's always a reason to be thankful in Jesus. Here's my practical application and takeaway. I really do think that gratitude and thankfulness is a choice. It kind of like depends on where you want to look for a Christian and what you want to focus on. And you know, sometimes, choosing thankful means letting go of something else. I have some rocks in this jar. My hand barely fits. If I wanna take a rock out, will I be able to? The only way to get my hand out, I'm hoping it'll come out, the only way to get my hand out is to let go of something. You know, in order to grow in thankfulness, you might need to let go of something. In, in order to be more thankful, you may need to let go of bitterness and forgive. In order to grow in thankfulness, you may need to let go of something and you may need to let go of some anger from the past or a grudge that you're holding. You know what I think a lot of us need to let go of a little bit and trust God with? We need to let go of how we thought life should go and just trust that the shepherd understands the sheep and let go of our plans and trust him. And when we let go of some things, our thankfulness can grow because bitterness and thankfulness, they don't go together. Anger and thankfulness, they don't go together. And are we going to get this perfect all the time? Absolutely not. But we can grow in it and it's a day like Thanksgiving in which we can be remembered not only why we're thankful, but what it looks like. You know, years before Jesus was born, Israel was going through a drought. There was a country near the border that was going to uh, try to conquer them. And the prophet Habakkuk wrote my favorite Thanksgiving verses. He said, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I still rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Recently I heard a pastor share a story from his life. His uh, Jesus-believing grandmother was in her mid-90s and in that, those final stages of her life, she had a stroke. And she was unable to really say much of anything. There's only two words that this pastor said his grandmother could say. <laughs> Thank you. And so he, he told how he, he went to his grandmother's house. It ended up being just a few days before she would die. And uh, he went into the room. He thought he, she might be sleeping but she wasn't. And he could just hear, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he walked in, and her arms were kind of like this as she laid down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he said, hey, grandma. And she pointed at him. He said, and said thank you, thank you, thank you. And he walked over and held her frail, small little hand, and she said, thank you, thank you, And he said to her, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, there's no better way to live. And there's really no better way to die. Because of Jesus, my friends, we have every reason to be thankful. During our life and even at the point of death. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the blessings that you give and forgive us for those times when we're so quick to point out the things that aren't going right and forget there is every reason to have gratitude and thankfulness. Help us to to wear that every single day to put on thankfulness as we get up in the morning, to put on thankfulness as we pray to you, to put on thankfulness as we go to work not because life is always perfect you told us it wouldn't be but because of Jesus we have everything we need for eternity and as the shepherd you promise to take care of us until we get there Lord, thank you. Be with us as you have promised in Jesus' name. Amen.